if you remember Pulp Fiction, where John Travolta shoots mm-hmm. one of the guys in the mm-hmm. back, back seat of the car. And really that, that movie was one of my favorites. So I, I almost prayed, like, I hope those, those guys seen that movie as well, because I didn't want to die, of course. It's so scary to have a gun really against your, 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 your temple. Like it or not, you, me, and everyone else, we all have a relationship with money. And for the most part, it's a complicated one. My name's Sean Maslick. Welcome to the Most Hated F-Word Podcast. As a certified financial planner, I want to take you on a journey as we throw out the technical finance books and shift our focus towards our minds, our money, and what matters most. If you're looking to improve your relationship with money and build true wealth, you're in the right spot. Finances does not need to be the most hated F-word. When things just don't go our way, it's so easy to get engaged in wrong thought. We start to focus on all the things we can't control, like the stock market, our overall investment returns, tax rates, and what other people are doing. We start ruminating on all the things that aren't working and all the things that we have little control over. Our minds focus on these things, worrying about all the bad things that could happen. Epictetus has a really good quote that goes like this. The more we value things outside of our control, the less control we have. And control, that inner control, is what we're talking about today. My guest, Aryan Erkel, was kidnapped by mass Islamic rebels in Dagestan, Russia, for 607 days. Now, Aryan is an author and a speaker as he shares his story on how finding inner peace, despite his environment, his external environment, transformed his life. I wanted to have Ariane on the podcast because we often see and hear of people who feel like winning, earning, or obtaining more money will bring them peace. While there's certainly truth that money can and does provide financial stability and security, money often doesn't bring the inner peace that people are searching for. Often we confuse security with inner peace and we seek and seek finding that inner peace through money, yet we often realize the money's not going to give us that inner peace. No money in the world can alleviate the inner peace from inside of us, from inside of us on the story that we're telling ourselves. Figuratively speaking, Ariane says many people are taken hostage or stuck in life, whether due to finances, health issues, broken love, lack of ambition or self-esteem, And many of us are looking for that inner freedom. So I hope you enjoy this podcast, this conversation with our freedom fighter, Ariane. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Most Hated F-Word podcast. Today, my guest is Ariane Urkel. So who is Ariane? For almost two years, Ariane was kidnapped by masked Islamic rebels in Dagestan, Russia. It was a nightmare he never expected to live through, but once he was in the middle of it, he learned how to cope with his new circumstances. His unique story about survival, his quest for freedom, and his power of recovery is still inspiring. For 15 years, through speaking, workshops, and coaching, Ariane inspired thousands of people with his message about freedom and taking ownership of your own life. Now, Ariane also has a foundation that he co-founded called Free a Girl a foundation that is dedicated to freeing young girls from forced prostitution. Since 2008, they have freed and given a second chance to more than 5,000 girls globally. Ariane, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Sean. 
I'm interested to hear your story. I have heard your story a few times and have read your book. And I also want our audience to hear your story. And on our podcast, we actually use stories as a really, I feel, powerful way to transfer the message that the podcast is trying to deliver. And for the listeners who have been listening, they know that on this podcast, we don't always talk about money in and itself. Money forms much of our lives but underneath the money, there's ourselves. And I think today our story, your story is really going to talk about ourselves and freedom and the ability to gain your own agency. So Ariane, can you take us back to August 12th, 2002? What happened on that day and how, if any, has it changed your life? Yeah, I was working for Doctors Without Borders, which is a medical aid organization. And we were helping Chechen refugees because there was a civil war in Russia between Islamic fighters and, and the Russian government. Yeah, working in a, in a war zone, it's always dangerous. And, and we knew there were kidnappings taking place. So I was sitting in my car together with a driver and then suddenly my car was blocked. I thought, what's going on? And, and I see three guys with guns coming towards our car. And then I knew, okay, they're targeting me. So what, what to do? I stepped out of the car, I raised my hands and then they, they beat me up completely. I thought they were going to kill me beaten to the head, I broke my finger, I was bleeding all over. And then they put me in a car, uh, they put a gun to my head, gun to my chest, and they drove me off. And and from that day I was kidnapped and they took me 607 days and other people also before I was released. So that's very short, my story, Sean. So that happened on the 12th. But of course in the car I was like, wow, what's going on? Am I going to survive? Will I ever see my family? Will I see my girlfriend? With a gun against your head, it's, it's very scary. I don't know if you remember Pulp Fiction, where John Travolta shoots mm-hmm. one of the guys in the back, back seat of the car. And really, that, that movie was one of my favorites. So I, I almost prayed, like, I hope those, those guys seen that movie as well, because I didn't want to die, of course, uh, by accident. It's so scary to have a gun really against your, 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 your temple. But yeah, luckily I, I had some training, so I stayed calm. I tried to make contact. I, I told them that I wanted to survive. And, uh, I didn't beg, I didn't cry because I didn't want to make myself too small. But then of course for 607 days, my freedom was taken away. And, and, and from one side it is that you have to go to the toilet with two guys standing behind you uh, so that they don't want you to escape. And the other side is, yeah, crying a lot in the beginning and trying to get the new balance. Uh, hope of, of surviving, of, of not being tortured, yeah, and trying to to cope with the whole s- situation. But of course, that takes time. And one of the, the lessons learned uh, before you're going to to a target zone is is that you have to make contact with your kidnappers. And that's where I fo- started to focus on after two three weeks when when my emotions were settled and that I thought, okay, I have to make the best out of this situation. And part of making the best out of the situation is yeah, in, including other people around you. And, and yeah, of course, it was difficult to find empathy for them, to see the same part of human beings that we all have. But, but of course, uh, I had time enough to think about it. Because for 24 hours per day, I didn't go, almost didn't go out of my room, only for the toilet to brush my teeth. So for 23 and a half hours, I was in a dark room under the, yeah, under the soil, high up in the mountain. Only one candlelight with all the fear, all the emotions, all the sadness, all the, yeah, how you call it, the injustice done to me, all those questions, why me, 
who's going to get me out? What should I do? Should I escape? Should I beat them up? Should I kill them? Should I hang myself? Uh, yeah, so it's it's a amazing story, but luckily I survived, Sean. Mm. Yeah. So much in that last two, three minutes. Yeah. So you mentioned a lot of emotions there, fear. Your words right now were fear, and then you said the word emotion, sadness. Why me? Often when we encounter, as we might perceive them, negative emotions, as humans, we just start to feel uncomfortable. And our initial reaction is often to reject these feelings. And like, ah, I don't want to go there. And we, sometimes we tell ourselves that feeling those feelings might be bad and what's wrong with us. And again, we try to reject them. And often people distract themselves by maybe alcohol, drugs, or other means. Now, for 607 days, these emotions must have just been flooding you. And you had no access to anything really external to distract yourself other than, I mean, nothing externally, really. No, no alcohol. No, no nothing no, like that. <laughs> and so we all have this relationship with our emotions. You know, I, I bring this parallel to money. We all have a relationship with money and often we try to avoid them. And our emotions, we try to avoid them as well, push them aside. I have read through your book and I heard an undertone of acceptance of your emotions. And can you speak to the process that you would have had to go, go through to first recognize these emotions and at what point, if any, did you decide to accept them? And, and how was that process? Yeah. Now, of course, in the beginning, the emotions came automatically. Yeah? The, the sadness, the pain, the, the injustice, like I said. But yeah, so I didn't want to cry in the beginning. I didn't want to share those emotions with, with, with the people who kidnapped me because I wanted to have a certain position. And I didn't want to be the sissy because in their culture, it's a macho culture. Yeah, men don't cry. And of course, I was new. So I didn't want to be the, the one going to be beaten up because he's this, yeah, the weakest. Mm. So I had to show them that I could stand the pain, could stand the new situation. And for two weeks, I was always surrounded by yeah, one of the guys. But after two weeks, they, they, my, my room was ready because the first two weeks I was sleeping with them in, in one room or I was sleeping with them in one tent. And then when I entered my new room, I really collapsed and, and I cried a lot. I had so many tears that I couldn't even figure out where are they coming from. And of course, I tried to stop it, but but I also realized, okay, let it let it all out because mm. uh, we get these emotions from somewhere, and and sometimes it's a, it's okay to have emotions, to feel like a victim, to feel yeah sad. But then I realized after a couple of days that it's not going to bring me anywhere. But also other emotions like too much uh, aggressiveness, it's also an emotion. But, but if I would be aggressive towards the guys, they will yeah give it back to me and that's what they told me so i had to figure out to get a new balance that would help me through the situation because i told myself uh, i want to have the best out of this situation because i'm going to stay here for two or maybe six months or seven months so what can i do to make this something better than it was I, i'll tell you my, my my room was two and a half meters by one one and a half meters so it was really like a coffin or already like a mm. grave and of course thinking about home about love about my parents about being a fool to be kidnapped that all brings you down mm -hmm. and i needed emotions that would lift me up so i, I tried to to turn them around mm -hmm. like if there was a negative emotion about i'm never going to see my mother again i was like i'm going to see my mother again and i spend more time with my mother uh, or take one day and for 24 hours i'm going to think about my mother so i could counterattack this negative feeling even about yeah maybe I, i'm the weakest one 
then, then then you can tell yourself, no, I have to be strong. And I started to do push-ups. I started to make sit-ups. Mm. So even with, with the feelings, I could turn with, with physical uh, movement. And of course, because it was such a negative surrounding, this, this negative emotions came up all the time. But then, yeah, I had to I had to fight them. I had to turn around. Of course, I also cried after three months. I cried after nine months. I cried after 15 months. But it's okay to be sad because we get this from somewhere and, and we can use it as an engine. So I used to, to use to look at these emotions. And if you're negative, it can be an engine to make things better. But if you are stuck in a negative emotions and you don't do anything with it, then it's useless mm. because you're, it doesn't feel good for yourself. You're not attractive for other people. So it becomes actually your enemy. So that's how I really looked at it. And of course, sometimes it took like it took like hours or maybe days before I could, how you call this, this word in English that you turn it around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that was always my, my struggle to, to look for the bright side of an emotion and to counterattack it with something better. Because otherwise I would, yeah, it's like an elevator even more into the, yeah, more into troubles but I needed the elevator upwards. Mm-hmm. Everyone can do it. I, I, I use music. I use previous memories about good things. I used that I wanted to win because sometimes I wanted to commit suicide. I thought maybe that's the only solution. But then I thought, no, I, I'm a winner. I'm not going to lose. If, if, if I give up, my family will, yeah, will never see me. They're fighting for me, so I have to fight. And those guys who kidnapped me will think I'm, I, I'm a loser. I don't want to be the loser. I want to be the, the guy who wins even over this, this situation. So even your pride, your honor, that can also help to, to, to fight your emotions. Mm. But also music, I, I was singing my favorite song from, from my childhood, uh, and it's a Dutch song, and I, I will sing it for you. It goes okay. like, Zigging and it's about bikers who go very fast. But even after I sang it so many times, the kidnapper started to sing with me because it's, yeah, phonetically, they can also sing. So even by showing the good example, you can win people's hearts and, and minds, I think. And, and, and at the end, after a couple of weeks, I, I managed to feel more or less safe with them so that they were not my enemy anymore. And boredom and negative energies became bigger enemies than those guys. Mm. I really appreciate getting into your mind and hearing how you dealt with those emotions. And you mentioned the word empathy a couple times. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned connection with those guys and the singing the song. Empathy is that the ability to emotionally understand what people are feeling and how they see from their like how they see the world, their viewpoint. And can you describe how empathy played a role in your story? Because you know, in your book, you talk about how you really got to connect with these people who kidnapped you. Did empathy? play a role in your decision to participate in Ramadan with your captures? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, it did for sure. Maybe I can give you a financial answer as well. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because in the beginning of, of my kitten, after one hour or two hours, they took me out of the car and I wanted to know what's going on. And, and they said, yeah, we, t- we took you. I said, yeah, I, I know this, but are you going to kill me or is it just a threat and you want to kick us out or is it a kidnapping? They said, no, it's a kidnapping. I said, okay, how much ransom are you going to ask? They said, $12 million. And I said, wait, that's way too much. 
Why? Why? Uh, yeah, because normally humanitarian aid workers are are released for for free. They said no, no one is going to be released for free. I said but it's way too much. Then they asked me, okay, what's a better amount? So I was thinking like, okay, what's my worth? What's my value? And I thought if I'm ten thousand dollars, they will kill me. So I sh but twelve is too much. So I told them one one million should be the right amount. And they said, yeah, that, that's a little bit too little. So we'll ask five. From that moment, I was sure that I had a value, but only a value as a product. But I needed them to value me as a human being. Mm. But in the beginning, I also hated them, of course, because they were the motherfuckers who, who, who took, took my life away and, and, and ruined my life, ruined the life of my, my family. So I, I didn't see any empathy from, coming from my side, but also not from their side. But because I needed it more, I needed their empathy more than that they needed my empathy. I had to figure out, can I, first of all, have a functional empathy so that I'm, I'm an anthropologist, which also helps. I'm curious. I, mm. I thought after a couple of weeks, maybe I should just study them as a study object. And then I can write a book, how, how rebels live high up in the mountains in Chechnya. But then I needed to be curious. I needed to figure out what, what lives do they live? How do they think about life in general? So because of this, I think I, I also... Yeah, took away the mask I put on their faces. And they were wearing masks, but I put another mask on them. And then I started just by simple questions about cars, about sports, about women, like the normal things guys talk about. Then at a certain moment, it became really interesting and because they had the, the stories about why they choose for the Islam, why they become uh, radical Islamic fighters. And of course, I, I didn't feel anything for their fights and, and for their beliefs, but at least I could try to understand their way of acting and, and their way of belief. And then to respect them in a way that, that not even to respect them, but you're asking about Ramadan and you know they don't eat while it's Ramadan, but they promise to cook for me three times a day. And when you're hungry and you have to cook, yeah, it's, it's not nice. So I told them I, I can join you, but not to become a Muslim, but just to yeah, make your life easier so you don't have to cook while you're hungry. and and. Yeah, that's also empathy to take to consider each other's culture or maybe each other's wishes and it was a smart thing to do at the end because they they said yeah you can never manage uh, because you're not a muslim and maybe you want to be a muslim because your beard is growing now you're joining ramadan but i told them no i stick to my own religion but at least i can give something back to you so yeah empathy is like you said it, it's taking into account their lives and their feelings at least understand them and, and maybe even care a bit. Because in the beginning, I only cared about myself. Mm -hmm. But if you only care about yourself, you're, you're, you don't feel real empathy for the others. And I mm -hmm. think that took, my, took some time to realize that, that, okay, if I really want to gain their empathy, I have to care about them as well. And that was, most, of, of course, the most difficult because they, yeah, they took away everything and why, why should I care about them? I felt that they also they also felt insecure and unsafe because, for example, I, in the beginning I didn't have a candle I didn't have a candle during the night times. And then I asked them because I had claustrophobia. I asked them, "Can I have a candle at night?" They said, "Yeah, but maybe you're going to burn our house." And so they also saw me as a yeah maybe as a sort of Rumbo who could kill them at the <laughs> in the middle of the night. So I think yeah, empathy helped me a lot. Mm. And, you know, we're always story-making machines as humans. We tell ourselves stories so often in our regular, in our regular lives for people who aren't in capture. 
When you started trying to connect with them and demonstrating empathy, were you telling yourself stories? Uh, this isn't working. What am I doing? No. Maybe walk us through the the stories that went through your head and how you how you dealt with constant. I can imagine stories that you're you're making up. No, of course, in the beginning, it's stories. I don't have a specific story to start with, but I'm trying to figure out why doesn't it work to talk to one guy and, and, and does it work to talk to the other guy? So you have to realize yourself, okay, maybe I have to try another approach. For example, one guy, he didn't like me and he, yeah, I didn't like him. And then we we're yelling at each other through the doors. But then I thought, yeah, maybe I should try another way. But let me think about an example. Yeah, it's not completely related to the kidnapping itself, but towards my director, for example. Mm -hmm. After 20 months, I, I gave up upon him because he was the guy who was very slow, who was unprofessional, who didn't want to get me out. In, in my bad mind, I thought, yeah, when I'm ever going to be released, I will kidnap him. And then he will feel how bad it is uh, to be kidnapped and if no one cares for him. So I had these stories about that I felt lonely, that everyone left me, uh, no one cared about me. And then, yeah, you have this story sucking you into in, into trouble again. So I had to think, okay, of course, my, my director is trying to get me out, but he can only pay this $5 million only once, and he wants to be sure that I come out for free. So these kind of stories I had, I had lots of stories about escaping, and how I'm going to escape. But yeah, I, I don't have an example of, of like stories, how I would change the relationship. I think changing the relationship was more like, okay, I say something, for example, they asked me, do you like homosexuals? No, you know, radical Muslims don't like homosexual guys. And it wasn't the first day. Hmm. And then I was like, okay, should I betray myself? I have one guy uh, in my friends who is a homosexual guy. Uh, yeah, and, and these kind of things. No, I told them, no, I don't have any friends because I was afraid. But then later, like two, three minutes later, I told them, no, sorry, I lied. I have one, yeah, one friend of mine is a, homo, is a homosexual guy. And uh, yeah. Why, why should you care? Mm -hmm. And actually, I didn't care because mm -hmm. it was my own fear that betrayed myself. Mm -hmm. So then I learned, don't betray yourself. Stand mm -hmm. up for yourself. Protect your own culture. They are protecting their own culture. But of course, at night, I was thinking a lot, what should I do different? And sometimes it went wrong. For example, I was dreaming about I want to cook because their food was, yeah, it wasn't bad, but it was not the best of the best. Then it took some time because they didn't believe me that I wouldn't poison them, for example. Mm. I don't know if you know this word haram, eh, that you're not uh, clean in, in according to their religion. You have halal, which is good, mm -hmm. and haram is, is, okay. is bad. So because I'm not a Muslim, they didn't want me to touch the food. Mm. But then it became my, my target that I could cook for them and for myself. So, of course, I had those stories. I'm going to show them that I'm clean, that I'm a Christian, um, and that they could trust me, and then I would cook. Yeah, that's a small example. Mm -hmm. And then we were cooking together after, I think, five months. In the beginning, they said, no, 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 because your, your hands are dirty. But then I said, I can wash them. I can say, best me love, because they always say, best me love. But, uh, but I, I told them, I, I do this gesture, but I mean it in a Christian way. And then we started to cook, and I told them they used too much salt. And then they became so angry. They, they were like, who are you to, to teach us how to cook? Uh, you should be happy that you're 
allowed to cook. We could have made you a slave. We could have ruined your life. Uh, be happy that you can cook. And I was like, ah, oh, they're, they're suddenly so angry. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't expect that. And I said, yeah, but my mother tells me not to use too much salt. Um, okay, if it's your mother, uh, uh-huh. because mothers are always holy in, in whatever culture. Yeah. Uh, and they calm down. But yeah, so I tried more on the point. Of course, I was thinking a lot, like how to improve it, but I don't have a clear example of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I mean, that's great. I appreciate that answer. And, you know, as I read the book and just hearing you and your ability to connect with them and, and, you know, throughout the book, you have a lot of examples where you, in a way, stood your ground to show that, you know, you're not, not to betray them or anything, but just to gain the respect. You talk a lot about the book and it makes me think about, and just hearing the relationship that you got with them and the conversations that you explained in the book that, you know, at some level, humans, they just, you know, we all want to be understood and heard. And I I really got that um, feeling or that sentiment when I was reading your book that, you know, these guys, they live vastly different lives than you and I. But at some level, do you feel like that's true, that they just want to be understood and heard as well? Yeah, for sure. For example, when when we're talking about uh, my release, they they told me, yeah, please tell the truth about how we dealt with you, that you don't make us uh, like evil guys while we were treating you right. But also one time I... The shower, like I had to walk through the kitchen to, to, to end up in the shower. And then I went to the shower and I saw a guy, guy, a guy wearing this apron. Is it an apron mm-hmm. if you're cooking? Yep. yep, apron. And I smiled a bit because it, it looked funny, like a rebel. In a, <laughs> uh, and then I came out of the, the shower and he took it off and he took off his shirt and he wants to show his, his biceps and his, his, his uh, six pack. And I said, what are you doing? Yeah, I saw your eyes and you looked at me like you're... Uh, like a, a woman cooking. And so they also worried about their uh, attitude or the way I, I, I looked at them. Yeah, of course, that they also wanted to be heard, that they wanted to be understood, that their their lives and, and their vision and mission is not like we want to ruin the world, but we want to change the world and, and build a better world. And yeah, I told them, yeah, I, I don't like the way you want to change mm-hmm. the world, but, but tell me your stories. Then at least it was filling time, but also trying to understand them and, and, and see them as human beings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got the the feeling that that really changed the whole experience. Whereas as opposed if you just, I guess that goes back to the emotions. If you just silenced everything, I really think that the whole situation would be much different. In terms of hope, I kept getting the sentiment of you have a lot of hope and you embody this this idea of hope. And... When I was reading the book, I, I saw that word pop up a lot of times. Yeah. And, you know, as we know, hope, it allows us to be grounded, to have optimistic viewpoints, despite these very severe circumstances. And I just pulled out a few sections from your book, but you talked about hope when you got the opportunity to write a letter back home. At one point you talked about, it was around March, you had hope that you'd get released, but that soon evaporated. You often hoped your family was doing well and hoped Aminia had contacted your family. You hoped your colleagues in the fields advocated for your acceptance or your release. And you talk about how your hope increased often, but then it also decreased often as well. And I remember one section I wrote out here, it was New Year's, around New Year's Day, and you hoped it wouldn't be a cold winter like last year. And so this idea of hope really, really goes out throughout the whole book. Oh, and this last one I want to say is, 
This is a quote. Had I known my captivity would last 18 months, I probably would have not made it. Hope brought life. It did. So can you just speak to the relationship or the significance hope played in your capture? Yeah, it's, it's like you said, hope gives you energy to, to move on. Because if in Russian, they say if hope dies, everything will die. And mm. so they say hope will die as the last thing to die. I never had a, like they always say, you have to focus to the, you have to put a, a point somewhere at the horizon and then you yeah, you go further and you have to reach the point of no return and then you, you, you have success. But I never knew when I was going to be released, for example. Mm-hmm. So I had, to, I had to hope that one day I had to be released. And if I would give up hope, then the whole essence of, of living was useless because then, yeah. I was going to die because no one wanted to pay and my body would be burned, uh, buried and my, my parents would never find me. So that, that was the opposite. So this hope yeah, definitely kept me go, going. But I also realized hope can be like this yeah, invisible thing that we will never reach. Mm. So I think with hope, there should also be some kind of a target that you can really get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, definitely, it was an engine. Uh, it, it was a fire, the, the, the fuel, the, the, everything of, to keep me going. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, I think hope is not just that word, that you reach it without doing nothing. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I can hope to get a nice Porsche, and I can sit all day here behind my computer uh, watching all kind of Netflix movies, uh, but then this Porsche will never come. Mm-hmm. And, so, and I think that, that's the mistake many people make. They just hope and then it, everything will be okay. But in the meantime, uh, you, you should work a lot and be disciplined and, and also enjoy the trip. Yeah, so that's why I was so eager to make it an interesting time. Because if, if you don't reach the, the point of, of success, uh, the, 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 the road towards success should, should also be interesting. And that's what I, I already had in life, but that really made it stronger. You, you're talking about finance a lot and that people want to be rich. And then all their sorrows are gone. Even if you're rich, you get problems about how, when I die and I, I have a child and I don't want to give my heritage to him. Or my wife, take, hey, we're going to divorce and then 50% of my finance is gone. Or uh, you get cancer and you die. So finance, like hope, is it's not the magic word that all your problems are gone. Mm. But of course, it's, it's sort of a target. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I never thought of hope, like even reading your book and uh, hope just kept coming through my mind. But I really, it's so interesting that you're right. There was no target. And if you look at like the psychology of hope and they always talk about goal orientation and like there's a specific target. But yeah, you had no idea. There was no end point. And you you talked about a parallel to finance and this idea of being rich or financially set or retirement is really like, yeah, we know what it conceptually, but we don't know what it actually feels like. And I think I really want to point out is that we can have hope, whether that's in your case, severe or more more dramatic is getting out of captivity, or we can have hope that we're going to have a good life. But you used a word that I think is so important is work. And you know, you worked at the, the, the journey to get to your you know, ultimate destination, which is freedom. And I think a lot of the times we hope without that work and we could see that by you connecting with them. We can see that by the self-talk that you had. And it really speaks to that self-determination or that agency to make decisions in that moment. And I think 
and that's a, a really important part to to just speak to on hope is that we can hope, but we have to do the work. And um, I really like that idea. The road must be interesting. And you know what? I was so fascinated by how interesting your journey was in this book and even the connection. That, that part keeps sticking out to me. The connection. Yeah, the connection. Is really, yeah, the connection. I'm, I'm most proud about the connection I made with the guys because I didn't lose myself. And it was very easy to, to lose myself, to change my culture, to become a, a Muslim, pray with them and, and, and smooth talk them. But yeah, I think if you really stand up for yourself, you protect yourself, it, it means you, you, you have your own values and you, yeah, you also protect them. But then you become stronger in your own mind and your, your trust in yourself grows, but also other people will take you as a real person and mm. because you, you stand up for yourself. They see that you, you want to fight for yourself. Uh, you take risks for yourself and then you become in their eyes you also become stronger it's like in a fight if you look down and your shoulders go go to hang you're an easy target if you stand up for yourself you make yourself maybe a little bit bigger people will take you more serious mm. yeah, but if you blow up yourself too much people will also uh, they, they put your finger in you and you will in, inflate again and mm. <laughs> or deflate how you call it so when you're you're the real one and and you still see where you can grow a bit and maybe you can make yourself a little bit smaller also sometimes because sometimes we make ourselves too big. And like now with, with, with cryptocurrency, for example, and you always hear the stories, oh, I gained uh, $50,000, I gained $100,000 on the market. But there's no one on a birthday party that, sells, that says, yeah, I bought uh, Bitcoin now one month ago when it was $64,000 and I lost, I lost 50%. <laughs> that's not a good story. So you will never hear those stories. Um, but it's also part of life, the, 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 the losing part. Yeah, we all have it. I, I bought them when they were $5,000. Yeah? Uh, <laughs> but I also lost from 64 to now. And I can share it because it's part of me. Yeah. Why should I blame myself for the, the bad things I've done? Mm-hmm. And I don't, of course, I feel sometimes like a fool, yeah, but uh, yeah, I should have sold them, but it, it doesn't affect my whole, my whole being. Mm-hmm. Part of me, I can make mistakes, uh, but at the end, I know I can stand up for myself. If I lose everything, I stand up and it gives so much yeah, self-esteem. So mm. that's what I gained. I, I'm not happy that I was kidnapped, but I was happy the way I yeah, lived through it and, and, and the powers I, I discovered within myself that really gives me lots of yeah, energy and, mm-hmm. and, and to build my life. That's why I'm telling this story. If you're free in your mind, you're free to discover yourself mm-hmm. because you don't have too much limit. Like, oh, maybe I'm going to fail or maybe this is not, go- it's not a good idea. And of course, it, maybe it's not a good idea, but yeah, figure it out by, by trying. Because if and don't, don't let the idea of being a failure uh, bigger than any failure in reality. Hmm. It, it's a, it's a, I will try to find it while we're talking, but it's it's a nice, I don't know if it's a proverb or something, but the failure itself isn't so bad. It's not as bad as not even trying to, to do it, I think. Right, yeah. Freedom is such a big word for yourself. I know just in reading your work with your book, you talk about you hope this book finds its way to many people to help with one of the biggest challenges of life, to find freedom in one's mind. And I I really applaud you and your mission and your willingness to share this story. I I can imagine every single time you talk about it, emotions get um, stirred up inside of you. 
Can you just speak to this idea of freedom and what it means to you? And I know at the very last couple pages of the book, you talk about how many people feel like they don't have freedom and, and it's not being in captivity like yourself, whether it's being stuck in life and whether it's due to money. You talk about that just a little bit in your book, due to finances, health issues, broken love, or lack of self-esteem. Can you just touch on what does freedom mean to you and how do you feel like your message is going to, is helping people? Yeah, no, of course, this whole experience made me realize that freedom is really important. And, and when I was just released, I was such a famous person in the Netherlands. So I also felt this pressure. Mm. And as an example, lots of publishers wanted me to write a book. But then I thought, yeah, I've never written a book. I'm, I'm not an expert. I, I don't like write, reading too much. So why should I write a book? So maybe I should hire a ghostwriter. No, then he started to write. I started to talk, to tell my story. But his, the book was not the book that I wanted. Then I thought, yeah, wh why shouldn't I write it myself? And as an example of how many times we block our own ideas, uh, because we think a lot, maybe thinking we, we, we know how to do, because we can still think about freedom and doing things and, and chasing our goals. But then in reality, we are so many times blocked by our own thoughts, fear, uh, public shaming, uh, all these kind of things. Sometimes, of course, financial troubles, sometimes health. But most of the times, we, we are our own enemies concerning our own freedom. And, and I think if you're really free in a way that you don't damage other people, there's so much potential within yourself and the results of this potential we don't know yet. So if we all yeah, try to yeah, free ourselves a bit more, lots of, lots of things are going to be there that, we, that might be useful for ourselves, but also useful for, for other people. For example, iPhone, the guy, if, if he would have thought, yeah, it's not a good idea, no one is going to use a, a touch screen, we will never have a, a iPhone. If, if, for example, I sold 100,000 books in the Netherlands, if I would have thought, yeah, I'm not a good writer, I will, I will leave it to this ghostwriter, I would have never sold 100,000 books. So this idea of blocking yourself and limiting yourself is, is yeah, part of, of this freedom thinking. I think really freedom is the engine to, to let your ideas go and, and instead of just thinking, start acting. And then, yeah, sometimes it will result in, in the best new video book or whatever. And sometimes it will result in a failure because sometimes, yeah, your ideas are not the best of the best of the best. But then at least you have tried it and, and the energy is out of your body. You've done new things. You have surprised yourself. You have surprised the people around you. Like in a bad marriage, you can also try to make it better. Spend more time with your wife, spend more time with your partner, spend more time with your with your kids. Now, Corona, for example, lots of people think, yeah, it's a lack of freedom. But within the borders, there's still so many opportunities to improve your life. And yeah, that's freedom, not, not looking that there are all kinds of borders, but try to solve all the problems within the borders and also outside the borders. I, I believe in this energy freedom can give and the creativity and the, and the potential. So for me, other people will call it love is, is the basis or freedom or health. But for me, I think it's, it's freedom as a basis or as an as a engine or fuel to, yeah, for all kinds of processes that will discover yourself more and that will reach out to, to results that we could never dream of. Mm. Like one, one other example, I was so famous and, and one of the first things when I landed on, on, on the airport was that my football club from Rotterdam, it's called Feyenoord, 
And I said, yeah, it's a pity they had a draw against Amsterdam today. And it's, it's like a big game. Mm. And then the chairman said, yeah, yeah, come to the stadium. We give you free uh, seasonal tickets for the rest of your life. I said, yeah, that's cool. He said, do you want to have it on the, on the field, in the middle of the field, or somewhere in my chairman room? Because I didn't know how, how popular I was. I, I, I'm a, maybe I was a bit shy also in the beginning. I said, I was thinking to myself, this diminishing thoughts. Yeah, maybe 50,000 people are going to yell at me. And they say, boo, and we want him to go out of the stadium. So I told him, yeah, I want to have it in your room. Mm. Now, the rest of my life, I'm still dreaming about standing in the middle of the stadium and people <laughs> yelling, uh, we love you, Arjan, we do. But I missed <laughs> that opportunity because I, yeah, I didn't take the freedom of taking the opportunity. And I'm, I'm telling my children, if you're shy or, or hey, you, you, you limit yourself. So lack of freedom limits yourself. Mm. And I, of course, I'm also sometimes limited, but so much less limited than before my kidnapping. And it didn't happen right away, but yeah, while giving lectures, while becoming older, and this message about freedom also means that I should live in freedom. I, I shouldn't limit myself. So if I have a new idea, yeah, I also have to show people that that I'm, I'm, I'm evolve, uh, evaluate, evolving, how do you call it? Uh, like evolution. Oh, yeah. 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 Thank you for that. The sentence discovering yourself, like that's where freedom can create this engine to discover yourself in your words. What is one thing that you discovered within yourself, maybe even in the last 10 years that surprised you? Yeah. One of the big surprises is uh, that I did a theater tour, mm. for example. <laughs> because I never went to the theater and my parents always said, yeah, the, this art and your your upbringing was quite successful, but we missed a piece of art. Uh, we never went to the museum and, and all these kind of things. We had to go to the to the classical music with Christmas, but we didn't like it. Then I, I wrote my book, and because music was so important during my kidnapping, I I, I went. I, I wrote a letter to the band that that helped me with this song, eh? the, the ooh, 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 ooh song. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, yo, how cool would it be if I hire a director? And we, we write a theater piece, and then we've gone to all the theaters in the theaters in, in the Netherlands. And I managed. I had forty theaters, and and the biggest one in Amsterdam, the biggest one in Rotterdam. Uh, they were not sold out, hundred percent. Some of them were, uh, but it was such a cool cool way. That's what I mean. You have to enjoy the wow. enjoy the ride. And then lots of artists want to stand in these two theaters in Amsterdam and Rotterdam. And I never dreamt about it. I never thought about it. And then in, in, in one year I, I managed. So yeah, that's a surprise, I think. Mm. But, but, but also other things like being patient, being being optimistic, these kind of things. Of, of course, it was, I think, already part of me, but it, it made it much stronger now. Mm. And so I see so many more opportunities and, and I also dare to start with them. And that, that's really a discovery. The way from thinking towards acting, that's so much diminished. I, I lose so much, so less time between the starting and, and the thinking and the starting. And I think lots of people waste too much time between those two processes. Yeah, wow, that that thinking to starting, wow, that's a, typically be, is a big gap for people. So yeah, yeah. when you talked about the theater, most people are going to listen to this on the audio, but you lit up. <laughs> you leaned into the camera. So I could tell that was uh, something that I feel like was meaningful to you. Yeah, but it's cool because that's a whole process of from thinking towards doing. Yeah. And because thinking gives you already happiness, but then 
if you start doing it, it will, it will be increase this happiness. And, and, but it's also, like you said, a discovery. Yeah, like, like I said, from no theater in my life towards being part of yeah, being the artist, you know, what was quite nice. And of course, giving lectures already gave me access to public and access to a stage. But, but in a theater, I had to sing, I had to dance. And then, oh, okay. of course, it's, it's like, okay, I have to think for, for 500 people when it's the first time it's quite scary Mm -hmm. wow my last question and this is a standard question that i that i ask people so we all have a relationship with money and i want to focus on 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 your relationship and but i want to fast forward till you're 95 years old potentially you're still in the netherlands or you could be anywhere in the world on a front porch looking at a field an ocean mountains wherever you aspire to be at 95 years old and I know you have children and you decide to write a letter to your children's children about yeah. what you learned on having a healthy relationship with money. What would be included in that letter? Yeah, then it's always handy to have money. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because it gives you freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to think about what to do tomorrow and how to get money to, to spend your days and and if you have money, you can choose more nice opportunities than if you don't have money. So to have money, is, for me, it's important. Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't be the, the ultimate goal. Like, for example, especially in the USA and Canada, you have all those courses, how to become a millionaire. Being a millionaire doesn't mean that it, you're, you're a healthy or lucky person. So it's, it's much more interesting to, yeah, to go after your freedom. Mm. And not because I have this message about freedom. Mm. So, so I have a baseline that you know, know for sure that with maybe four or five thousand or three thousand dollars per month, you can have an easy life and, and you can always fall back to this amount. And if you want to have more, then you have to think about yourself okay, is it worth all the effort? And is this effort going to bring me all this happiness or results that I dreamt of? Mm. Of course, sometimes I, I also dream about having a Rolls Royce. Uh, but then I have to work hard for it. And then it gives me a nice result. But if I'm already a multi-millionaire, this happiness of this Rolls Royce will be less, I think, than if you really have to, to go after it. Mm. Sometimes, I, I never talk to him, but is Bill Gates as happy with his new toy uh, as we are? So I, I don't know about this because I'm not so rich. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm well, well off. But, but Your one statement there, the whole thing I really appreciated in, is it worth the effort? And I think that's a, a question yeah, we yeah. all can ask ourselves. And sometimes we, 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 we forgot the path in between. Mm. And to my children, my, my daughter, she also wants to be a millionaire. She, wants to, she says, do any girls in the, in the Netherlands have a Rolls Royce? I said, I don't know. She said, I, I want to be the first one who... <laughs> who has a Rolls Royce. I said, okay, so start, start making your business, start doing something. And then she said, yeah, I'm going to sell clothing. I said, yeah, okay, but did you make a print? Did you, did you come up with a name? So she, she has this thinking, but she doesn't have the acting. Mm. So if you want to be rich, really realize if money is so important for you, then, then act mm. and act it. Like you said, in the, in, in the way you want to act and, and be happy about that. Don't let the money ruin your life. Yes. Wow. Well, thank you. I uh, We have a couple minutes left and I really, really just want to express how much I'm thankful that you're able to come on, share your story and and your, your idea of freedom as I think it will resonate with many of the listeners. And maybe just talk about your book, 
where you can find it. I know Amazon, uh, it is a fascinating book. I've really enjoyed it. And yeah, where, where can people find find more about you? The easiest is, is definitely on Amazon. It's called Held Hostage. And then my name, Arjan Erkel, I will, I will spell the, the first name, A-R-J-A-N-E-R-K-E-L. I'll include a link in the show notes. Yeah, and I, I give lots of lectures about freedom. So if, if you're yeah, somewhere working in a company, please please find me also maybe through Sean or uh, Sean or, or on my website, arianerkel.nl. Uh, and I want to say something about Free a Girl. Oh, yes, please. Like I, I was in misery for, for 607 days, but there's lots of minor girls who are also, are also kidnapped and, and sexually exploded. Yeah, we try to uh, release them, to bring them back home, to give them a second chance. And, and that really became important for me. We freed more than 5,000 girls. And maybe you can also help to support us and, and, and go to, to our website, freeagirlusa.com, uh, .org, sorry, and, and donate. Uh, and, and give freedom to other people because we're all human beings we should try to help each other we, we should have uh, yeah we, we should try to to help them as well because i'm so happy that other people helped me i was sitting there crying that no one cared about me that everyone forgot about me i was 32 years at that, that time but girls of 9 10 11 mm. they, they also need another life they need other people to bring them back home and there's also finance finance can yeah give freedom to other people Absolutely. And, you know, I, I just that you're doing such great work, 5000 girls that you've given a second chance to and and you're right, finance can and, and many of us are in a position where we actually can give. And um, I urge everyone to head over to free a girl and donate to your cause because, yeah, that second chance is priceless. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on. And uh I look forward to following you online and seeing what you're up to next when you on your next discover yourself theater ambition. <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Sean, for having me here. Thank you for tuning in this week. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Ariane. It's a fascinating story, and I really encourage you to go out and get his book. It's a wonderful read, and I really, really enjoyed it. If you've been enjoying the guest, please head over to the most hated F word on Apple and leave a review. I greatly appreciate it. Until next time, have a great week.